Well, good morning, church. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm looking around. Guys, are we still looking for seats? We got a great problem. I'll tell you what, if everybody loves Jesus and loves people, move in. Seriously, move in. Make space because it's hard to climb over people. Move in. I know you love the in seat. I promise you, you're still going to get to the parking lot on time. Promise you. All right, move in. Just make sure we have seats as people are coming in. Uh, it's a great problem we have here, but I'm so glad you're here. And before we jump into our message this morning, I'm going to go ahead and give you this disclaimer. Uh, first of all, if you are new to Grace, I am so glad you're here. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, like it is the weirdest first Sunday for you to show up, okay? Like what I'm talking about is like, are you stinking serious? If we didn't own this, we would not have showed up. Like we're talking about relationships God's way and we're talking about sex and we're talking about sexual sin. And so here's what I got, I'm gonna give this disclaimer. Like if you are parents and, and I'm not, we're not gonna get graphic or anything weird, but if you're like, Honestly, I don't, this is going to raise more questions uh, than necessary right now. I'm going to pray here in just a minute. As I pray, you feel free. Like if your kids are with you and you're like, man, I'd just rather not. Man, check them into Grace Kids. That is perfectly, I, I just want you as parents to know what we're hitting as we jump in. And like for everybody else, just don't make eye contact with me. We'll be fine. Like we'll get through this <laughs> together, I promise, all right? So man, let's just pray and ask God's help. Father, thank you for what you have done. I thank you for the incredible work that you have done in our lives. I'm thankful that what you do in us absolutely gets out on the outside. It's not like there's just this, like it's a personal thing, like nobody else knows but, but us and you. It, you. You change the way we live. And God, I'm thankful for that because I don't wanna be who I was. God, I want to be who you would have me to be. I know that I'm not the only one that, that, that has that desire. And so God, for, for every person that's here, I pray that they would hear what I have to say. And, and God, that, that instead of just hearing my words, like keep me from saying something stupid. I can say th stupid things. Keep me from that, Lord. I pray that they would hear your word, that your Holy Spirit would convict. And God, that, that the, what, what happens as a result of this message which would not be condemnation, shame on top of shame, but Lord, that you would call us to holiness, that we would have hope that maybe where we find ourselves today is not where you ultimately have intended us to be. And so God, for what you're gonna do in your people, we thank you for this. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, here's the deal. Last week, I preached the first part of a, uh, of a two-part message, and there was no way we we're going to get through everything. And so we're in Ephesians chapter 5. It starts off with these words, therefore, be imitators of God. And, and by the way, the therefore is there because it's, it's saying that, that we, we don't walk the way we used to walk. And it's like, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't walk like the pagans walk. You've been saved. You've been changed. So you walk differently. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So last week we talked about the fact that uh, there's some great things that we're going to learn from this passage and everything when it comes to walking and, 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 and that sort of thing, God gives us these great instructions. This is what it looks like to be lived out in the context of relationships, friendships, relationships, marriages, and all that sort of thing. And so last week we talked about the, the big question that we're hitting in this message. Why do Christ followers live righteously? and love 
sacrificially. And so we, the first two answers were out of the first two verses. First of all, because we want to be like our father, imitators, be imitators of God. The second reason is because that's how Jesus loved us. And, and so when he, when he, when he, calls us to love, walk in love. He gives us the example as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So it's, so it's a sacrificial thing. It's, it's, we, we have this, God has given us this, this incredible standard. Christ, uh, Christ has, has loved us. And so that, that's how we live. Well, then we introduced the third, the third part, and that came from Ephesians chapter five. Let me just read verses uh, three through five. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And so last week, I just got into, because uh, there's those three words, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. And for, we, we introduced that third point. And, and I'm going to do a little more uh, work here, actually kind of a whole lot of work here in this message before we move on to the last two. Why does a Christian love, uh, live righteously and love sacrificially? The third part, the third answer is because practicing sin flies in the face of loving our holy God. And so last week, we just talked about marriage. Uh, we actually talked about the fact that Christ, I mean, that God created sex. This wasn't man's invention. Like, huh, what if we did this? It wasn't like man, and not just, I'm, not like, I'm using like man generally, man, men and women did not come up with this idea. God created intimacy and it's this beautiful it's a beautiful thing. I'm just telling you right now, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's symbolic, though, of, a, of, of, of something very sacred. And I touched on that in the first message of the series. We're going to hit it later in this series, later on in chapter 5. It's, it's symbolizing this, this intimate relationship between Christ, the bridegroom, that's what he's called, and his bride, the church. And so, so we, we broke that down a, a little bit, but, but I, man, I ran, out of, I ran out of time. I'm like, we'll finish this next week. So here we are. We're going to do this. So like, let's just, let's just get awkward. Like if you've got sunglasses, go ahead and put them on. Like we'll, we'll be in this together, right? All right. So, so here's the thing. I, uh, how, many, uh, how many Dallas Cowboy fans do we have here today? Let me see your hands. Dallas Cowboys. Okay. We got, we got a few. Um, uh, so I don't know. We have too few. I thought there'd be more America's team. Uh, any, any Raider fans here today? Any, any, you guys even worse, dude, forget it. Like I, I'm using my own illustration. I'm a Colts fan. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, this, uh, this Jersey fit me a lot better when I was younger. And so don't get excited with my girlish figure here, but, um, so, so here's the deal. I'm a Colts fan. All apologies to New England Patriot fans that are here. You're not gonna see me wearing a New England Patriots fan. Uh, jersey, I mean. Because I, I like the Colts. And, and like, if you know the history, it, Tom Brady in my mind will always be a Patriot. You, you can be on the Buccaneers, you can have him, but he's always gonna be a Patriot. And, and, and I, I have the greatest respect. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Did not like him. And by the way, you're like, are you kidding me? Another 
sports analogy. Think of the rest of, listen, if I got up here and used a needlepoint analogy, you guys wouldn't believe me anyway. So just let's roll with this, okay? So, 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 so here's the thing. Like, I, I always wear a culture. I'm not gonna wear a Patriots jersey because this is my team. Now let's just, let's just for the sake of whatever, let, let's just say, because I know that like, if you're a Patriots fan, you're not gonna wear a Colts jersey either. Let's just say I grew up a Patriots fan. And, and you know, I was born into original sin. And, and so you get what I'm saying here. And, and, and so, so I, 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 was, I was raised a, a Patriots fan and that sort of thing. But, but let's, just, let's just say, for example, that I actually was, was a, a good enough athlete to, you know, make it to college, get a, get a scholarship. And then somehow I got drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. You know what would make me leave my Patriot jersey behind? Or let's just, you know, what would make me as a Colts player, if I was drafted by the Patriots, leave my Colts jersey behind, is if I was drafted by a team, and now I have allegiance to that team, that's the one thing that will make a guy who grew up wearing black and gold as a Raiders fan, if he gets drafted by the 49ers, put on his rival's colors. He was drafted by a different team. He has different colors. He wears a different jersey. Now, you're like, where in the world are you going with this? Okay, so, so in, in Ephesians chapter 4, when, when the Apostle Paul is, is trying to give us an example of the, of the transformations happening in the inside, he, he, it's not just this inward transformation that the gospel works. It, it results in something being changed. We actually, it's not just we're internally different, we live differently. A changed heart in a renewed mind results in a different walk. And that's why he begins Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four saying, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And then he goes on in, in, in chapter four to say this in verse 22, he, he, he says, I want you to walk as you were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Here's what he's saying. Take off the old jersey, you're part of a new team. That's not your team anymore. Well, I was, I was raised rooting for that team. You were drafted by a new team. They're not gonna let you on the field wearing the other team's jersey. Take off the old jersey, take off the old self, put on your new self. You are now in Christ. You walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Now, here's the thing. We're going to talk about, about this, this immorality, this impurity, this covetousness, those, those three phrases, that, those three words that show up here in Ephesians chapter 5. And really, Paul is, is using them. You, 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 could actually, you could actually take the motivation behind this. So you, could, you could just boil it down to one word. This is lust. And lust is nothing more than an unquenchable thirst that exploits and dishonors its object and disregards God. Lust is an unquenchable thirst that exploits and dishonors its object and disregards God. Now, I, what I'm getting ready to say, what we're getting ready to break down is going to be hard to hear. I'm just going to tell you right now, like the first service was hard. 
Like it got quiet, nobody said amen. Like it was like, oh, did I wanna say amen there? I, like, I get it, right? So it's gonna get heavy, but that's okay. We're gonna get through this because we need to hear this. So when I'm, when I, when I'm talking about these things, you gotta, you gotta know that I am aware that Satan will even take the preaching of the word as a catalyst and he'll try to take us back to points of shame, things that we've, we've tried to move forward from and you have moved forward from. That's, what, that's the reason why the Paul, why Paul said, the law's not a bad thing. The law's a good thing in that it reveals sin. But here's the thing, that the sin is awakened within me. When, when you point out, it's like when you tell a kid, don't touch that. As soon as you tell them, don't touch that, they're gonna touch that. When, when uh, my, my mom was a kid, I think it was my mom. Be, one day, they were, they were staying at home with themselves and before they left, parents said, don't put peas up your nose, being stupid. They'd never thought about putting peas up their nose. You know what the first thing they did was? They put peas up their nose. Like, so I get that when I talk about things that in, in a weird sort of way, that, 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 that sin, it awakens this desire. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that there is protection over each mind today that, 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 that he protects, but we've got to hit this. Like we can't, we can't dodge this. We can't cut this part out of the Bible. So the apostle Paul Elsewhere, in, uh, in actually 1 Corinthians 6, he breaks this down in, in, in further uh, detail when, when he says this. He said, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the thing. Sexual immorality, sexual impurity, all that sort of thing is, is, is first something that starts on the inside before it comes to the outside. And so a lot of times we, we want to, to refer to sexual sin as acts, but it begins here. That's why, again, Paul, he's on fire when he writes about this stuff. Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse two. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds must be renewed. Our, our minds must be cleansed. It has to happen. Be, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to know, to prove what is the perfect will of God. There's, there's, there's something powerful here that I, I want us to grasp. It begins here. That it, it, you know, be, before it gets to the hands, it, it begins in the heart, the mind. And this is why Paul goes on to say later in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Don't run toward it. Or, or don't just stand there passively. Run from it. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know? Here's what he wants us to know. If you're a son or daughter of Christ, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. What does that look like practically? Well, he, he says you have to flee some things. Here, here what we're seeing in, in Ephesians chapter five, sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you, which is, which is proper among saints. Now, listen, what I'm getting ready to talk about, if you are here and you're not a follower of Christ, do not get offended about what I'm gonna say, okay? You might, you might say, uh, dude, he's prude, bigot, whatever. Okay, you, you've got to understand that I have a standard of truth. 
You, you may say, well, there is no standard of truth. No, you have a standard of truth. Normally, if, if, if your standard of truth is not the word of God, it's your opinion. You, you become the arbiter of truth. We all have a standard of truth. Okay, so, so like if you're not a follower of Christ, don't get offended because I'm talking to sons and daughters of, of, of God. I want us to understand what it means to put on the new jersey, to put off the old, put on this, this new jersey. What does it mean to wear this jersey? Well, he, he mentions a few things. I'm just gonna hit it. He says, you're not, you're not gonna mess around with adultery. You're like, okay, that, that makes sense. Like stepping out on... Husband or wife. I mean, that's, that's in the Ten, Ten Commandments, right? Uh, Exodus 20, 14. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, that we, don't even, we don't even have to think about. You shall not commit adultery, period. Proverbs goes on, goes on to say, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it, it doesn't say he destroys his marriage. It says he destroys himself. And I've been, I've been a pastor long enough and had enough tough conversations to know that that's absolutely the case. Yes, man, there's a, there's a death of a marriage, there's a death of intimacy, there's a death of relationships and even friendships and all that sort of thing. But, but at the end, I mean, it destroys the person who does this. And, and, and listen, I'm not stupid. I know that in this room, I'm talking to people that probably have this in your past. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I wanna remind you, it's in your past. You have been forgiven in the name of Jesus walk in that confidence. However, what, what that means is that a Christian does not just accept this. They don't, they don't make themselves the victim. Well, you know, man, we're, you don't know there's physical problems, you know, we weren't able to have sex and all that. And listen, there's no excuse. We don't, we don't justify this. Literally, when, when Paul writes this, he said, don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, adulterers, period. And that is in the present sense. He's not saying that, oh, if you did this, that's an unforgivable sin. He didn't say that. It's someone who is currently practicing this. And I will tell you, if you call yourself a child of God and you are, there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's no, there's no guilt, there's no, you know, there's no shame in, in pursuing, stepping out on, on your marriage, a covenant that you made, not just to a person, a covenant you made before God. I'm just telling you, there's the fruit of righteousness. You are not of God. I didn't write this. Paul wrote this. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you are pursuing adultery. But it doesn't stop there. It, it also, it also the, the, this whole thing of, of sexual impurity, of sexual immorality, it, it, it speaks to you. Like if, if you're singles here, like, like, like friends with benefits. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, I don't think I have to spell this out. Living together, messing around while you're dating. No, no real commitment. Sex outside of marriage. Can I tell you, if, if, this, is, if this is you, I know that, listen, the temptation's real. Don't get me wrong. Been there. But you're wearing a jersey of another team. You don't walk the way you used to walk. You've put on a new jersey. And this is not a legalistic, don't, 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 don't. I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm creating this biblical standard so we understand what it looks like to walk with Christ, what it looks like to live this life of righteousness. It, it makes no sense for us to practice sin and still say that I love and... and I'm pursuing a holy God. It, it makes literally no sense. And, and, and listen, I know it's tough. Like, like when I was single in my early 20s, I remember driving down the interstate and I'm passing cars and I'm thinking it's weird thoughts. I'm like, I bet they've had sex, they've had sex, they've had, everybody's had sex except me. I'm just telling you, like, I know it. The struggle is real, right? And like the reason you're laughing is you thought the same thing. Like, I'm not the only one here. Bunch of guys, come on. 
But I, I, I debated whether or not to say this. But I'm going to say it. One of my greatest regrets is when I met my wife and I got married, I wasn't a virgin. So by the way, if you're into pastor worship, that should get rid of pastor worship right there. Guess what? I have a past. And as I'm preparing this message, what Satan likes to do is he likes to bring up our past against us. And he likes to say, how in the world can you talk about something that you were part of? And I'm going to tell you, for every person that even as I'm talking about this, Satan's trying to take you back to who you used to be. I want you to remind him of the cross. I want you to remind him of what took place when for the first time you understood that it wasn't you, it was Christ alone, and you repented of your sins, you came to Christ. I want you to remind him of grace. I want you to remind him of forgiveness because you're not who you used to be. Your shame does not define you. And I, from, from, one, from one person that was delivered from this to another, there is deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just forgive, he also sets free because it's not just adultery, it's not just friends with benefits, it also applies to pornography. And I'm just gonna go ahead and hit this like it gets awkward. But just, I think it was 2019 or 2020, I can't remember when, Barna Research Group did a study in conjunction with Covenant Eyes. They, they, they surveyed thousands of self-professed Christians, people who go to church on a regular basis. It was a, a confidential survey. People didn't put their names down. 68% of men say that view, they go to church on a regular basis view porn on a regular basis. 33% of women said they view it on a monthly basis. Now, here's the deal. It's like, ah, I just wish you wouldn't bring this up. Yeah, I get it. But, it, dude, it's an epidemic, and what, what, I, what I would rather do is actually get something that is causing us to live in isolation, to just bring it out in the light so that it can be addressed and dealt with. And, and, and listen, guys, girls, God can set you free. But we've got to just admit that this isn't just, oh, it's just this thing, and I know it's, I, I probably shouldn't do it or whatever, it, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Now, on the other hand, I want to talk to those of you that, that you struggle in this area and you're a sh you have deep shame because this is not, you don't want this to define you. But man, it just seems like, you know, they've done all those studies about the dopamine and how you immediately, there's a trigger and you're, you're already, you're there and then you're like, what have I done? Listen, I get that. I get that that's a very real thing. But as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, it's not just that you have been forgiven, but, but he is in the work of, of setting us free. And that's why in, later on in Ephesians 5, verse 18, he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, is the, only, the only way that we can live the life that we're called to live is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, if you tell God, how sorry you are and how hard you're gonna to work to fix yourself, you're gonna find yourself in the same place. You know why? Because I've lived that life. We've lived, listen, we've all been there at some point. It, it might not be porn, it might be, dude, food. It might be, it might be another addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever. We tell God, oh, I'm not going there. And then we find ourselves going there again. Listen to me, church, we can be free. But the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, we have to flee 
from sexual immorality. But can I tell you that it's within the context, you've got to understand what he's writing in 1 Corinthians 6. He's not only writing in 1 Corinthians about fleeing from things, he's also talking about pursuing someone. And I can tell you that only trying to flee without pursuing Christ, you're, just gonna, you're either going to fall because your efforts aren't that good or it's going to be replaced with another addiction. We have to flee from sexual immorality and we have to pursue Christ. The two go together. And can I tell you that, that, that uh, fleeing immorality does not just mean that we're, I'm, I'm in, a, in, in a support group that only asks the question, how many of you looked at porn this week? And you're like hoping that somebody else raises their hands. You're not the only one that feels like a loser. And they're like, well, let's pray together. I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, man, I'm so thankful that we have groups like uh, Pure Desires and Soul Refiners and all that to get past that. That's not true accountability. True accountability is, man, when you have an advocate that says, dude, I, I love you enough to, to, man, we're gonna be in this together. You've, you've, first of all, you're pursuing, pursuing Jesus. Like, man, I, I want to break free from this. Uh, James 5, you confess your sins to another godly person. If you're a man, you find another godly man. And, and you come clean. We confess our sins one to another. We can be healed. But, but we, we don't say, well, this is just part of my life. And we hide it and we isolate. And, 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 and man, I'm going to deal with this myself. Or, or, guys, worst of all, don't put this burden on your spouse to, for, and try to make them your accountability partner. That's stupid. I'm not saying that you shouldn't live in, in openness and that sort of thing. I'm just saying God did not make your wife or your husband to be your accountability partner. You need to find a godly person that's outside right there that somebody's going to speak straight to you, that's going to walk with you. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> this next one's probably a little bit awkward just because we don't always know how to handle it and so we just don't talk about it. This also speaks to homosexuality. It speaks to all the initials. And, and, and I'm not being like, I'm not trying to be flippant or whatever. I can't keep up with all, all the initials. Because I know that, man, there's all kinds of, of sexual sin. And, and, and I, I don't want to say this. I, I was just uh, a few months ago with Preston Sprinkle, uh, Preston's a guy that I've met and he, he has done a lot. Of, he has incredible ministry, loving on and, and, and taking the gospel to those who wrestle with homosexuality. And he, he shared with me, it's a, it's a crazy statistic uh, from, I can't remember, it was either Gallup. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll have to ask him if you want that, that information. 85% of people that identify as gay grew up in the church. And so, so for, first of all, um, I'm not acting, dude, I think it's stupid for me to act like, oh, you know, people that wrestle with this temptation, that, that you're not here today. And so if you are here, I want you to listen to me. First of all, in all of what I'm sharing, there's a big difference between sin and having temptation and, and actually acting on the temptation. Temptation to sin is not sin, Okay. So if, if, I mean, if you're, you wrestle with a certain area, that's, that's, not, that's not sin. However, I need to, I, I need to hit this. We, uh, we, we've had across the years several people that, I mean, you, some of you have talked to me and you wrestle in this area and man, we've talked with them. Some, some of you have said, I mean, we totally, I totally disagree with you and, and, and all of this, but, 
But, but here's the thing, I, mean, I don't care who you are, where you've come from, what your past is, I, even where, where you're struggling today, you're welcome here at Grace Bible Church. We're gonna, we're gonna love you. We're gonna, like, we're not like, hey, uh, what sin are you committing right now? Uh, before I hug you, like on the way in, we have not trained our greeters team. Okay, uh, we got tags for sins. Which color are you? Like, we're not, we don't do that, right? Like, we just love. That's what we're called to do. We're just called to, to love. But, but at the same time, man, I, I wanna love enough to speak the truth. And so what I'm getting ready to say, dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, outside of a miracle of God, there's legislation coming. It's going to make what I'm going to say hate crime. But I'm not saying it's because I hate you. I'm saying it's because I love. Listen, the word of God has a standard for sexuality. Okay? So, so if you're a, and I'm, remember, I'm talking to believers. If you are a son or daughter of God, we have a standard. It's the word of God. God's word trumps my feelings. Like I, I like, uh, you know, I like that part, but I don't like that part. Like we don't, we don't get to choose. All right. If, I, if, if the Bible isn't inspired here, who's to say the Bible's inspired there. Okay. So it's like, you either got to dispose of it or accept it. It's one, one, one or the other, one or the other. Here's the deal. You can argue to the, you're, you can argue to the, you're blue in the face, but biblically, there is no other standard for sexuality outside of, and includes all of what I've talked about this morning, outside of a covenant relationship between a husband and wife, a man and a woman. Period. Listen, government can say what they say, voters can vote what they vote, but there's absolutely nothing that can redefine what God has already defined. Now I say that, like, like it's really easy for those who, who uh, you know, to bash on gays or transgender or whatever, and they have their own porn issue. Like, like if you got your porn issue, quit, quit pointing out everybody else's sin, deal with the own sin that's in your own house, in your own life, okay? But I, but, but I, but I, I get this thing, it's like, man, I can't help this, I'm born this way. And listen, I'm no scientist, all right? So what I... I, 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 genetically, DNA, it's not like there's a, a necessarily a gay gene, a straight gene, or, or whatever. But let, let's just say there's these natural predispositions, okay? Here's the thing. We're all born into sin. You're, you're born with disposition to one kind of sin. I'm born with a disposition to sin, too. We're all born into sin. And so just because I'm born with a, with, with a disposition to sin doesn't mean that I say because I'm born this way, this is just who I am. No, thanks to God, he can set us free. He can deliver, he can, he can save, he can transform. And all of us need the grace and deliverance of God. And so when he says, flee from this, he's, he's saying, flee from this. And so this is where I, I'm going to tick people off. I'm already ready for this, all right? This is where it's like, oh, here we go. He's a moralist. No, I'm not. I just, I'm just telling you. What, what does it mean to flee from sexual immorality? What does it mean when, when Paul writes here in, in Ephesians chapter 5? I, I like how the NIV, NIV translates verse 3. Don't let there even be a hint of immorality named, named among you. What are the implications? It actually has implications. Again, I'm talking to believers sons and daughters of Christ, on what we take into our mind, on what we watch, on what we joke about, those things 
which entertain us, it transforms us. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, I hate this because some of the most incredibly complex and awesome, intriguing plots when it comes to TV shows or movies, they gotta throw crap in there that doesn't need to be there. And here's the thing. I can spend my life hitting fast forward when something comes up. Or I can say, I'm a, dude, I can't, I, can't, I can't let this end my life. And dude, I'm not raising myself on a pedestal because dude, even, even Lori and I haven't always been perfect in this area. Like we're, we wrestle with, where do you draw the line? And I'm not here to draw lines. I don't know what that is. It might be different. There might be lines that, man, there's more sensitivity you have in different areas than I do, okay? I just know that, man, we were watching a, a show the other day and man, it's a great show. They're like, man, can't watch this. Love it. Love the plot. But, you know, I'm sick and tired of, of trying to be conformed to this world. I, I literally believe what Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of mind. I want a renewed mind, not a mind that's being conformed to the world. In church, it matters what we allow in. It matters what comes out. Ooh, Lord have mercy. I need sunglasses. That's good right there. That's good. No, man, if we put on a, a new jersey, a new jersey, and I, I just... We walk differently. We don't walk differently because we're trying to make God love us more. Now, what I love is this imitation starts with transformation. We walk differently because God's changed us. And when Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer when questioned about the hope that is within you, it just makes me wonder how often I walk in such a way that people would be willing to ask me a question. Huh, there's something different about that guy. It's, 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 it's a thing in which God's just been challenging me and I... I pray that he challenges us. Well, you're looking at your, you're like five minutes. There is no way we're getting through this mess. No, I'm getting it. Number four, why does the Christian live righteously and love sacrificially? Number four, because judgment is coming. Well, it's heavy. I told you this was a heavy message, man. Ephesians 5, verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. There's a big difference between the sons and daughters of obedience and the sons and daughters of disobedience. But, I, but th this is where, listen, if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ, you might disregard, you might like, you don't know what you're talking about, stupid, that's an old wife's you know, tale. The wrath of God is, is coming. And dude, I'm gonna tell you, as a pastor, it's hard, man. I, I, love, I love the gospel. I love the transformation that the gospel makes in a life. I'm not who I used to be. But I'm gonna tell you what, man, it's a very real weight of knowing the man when I stand up and talk. I'm not this perfect guy that's got it all figured out. I'm following Christ and I'm, I'm growing just like we're all growing. But I know that I'm talking to people that unless there's a change, there's wrath. And dude, I don't, I, I don't, a person that gets joy and pleasure in talking about hell is somebody that's jacked up. Now, I long for justice, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't long to see people destroyed to punishment. I long for justice. 
I long for righteousness. But he says, let no one be deceived with empty words. And, and, and guys, I'm gonna say something. I am not saying what I'm saying to shake true faith. I'm saying what I'm saying to shake a faith that is not a real faith, that is not based on Christ and, and his work. It's based on you repeating a few words. One of the greatest damages we've done is when we've just said, hey, repeat this prayer after me. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That can be a tool that God uses. But it's not the fact that you said some words or that you got wet one day that saves a person. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Not, not that I said the words that a certain guy prayed over me. I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith in what Christ did. Christ is my only hope of salvation. That's my, let no one deceive you with empty words that it's, it's works, that it's, hey, pray this quick prayer or whatever. Dude, I don't wanna give anybody a false faith. I want true faith that is anchored to the gospel. It's anchored to the, to the word of God. This is it. Mm. I just, I, I don't want any of us guys to, to feel like we've come to God and we really haven't. That's why New Testament, examine yourself to see if you're of God. That's not like this weird, gross, like I can't, I'm so obsessed with myself. I, oh, you know, you know it's not that. It's just saying, man, is my faith in Christ or is it in my efforts? That's why the, you know, I love Psalm 139. Search me, God. Man, see if, search my heart. See if there be some wicked way in me. Let, test my thoughts. Let, let, let me, man, I, I want to know. Is, is there something that should not be there? That we pray those prayers. And then like if God reveals something, it's not like we're like, oh, oh, this is terrible. He's through. No, no, we just confess. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, we, we live righteously. We love sacrificially because judgment is coming. But, but I, I, I like this. This last reason is this. Also, because we have a greater reward ahead. There, there is this reward and, and I know that, that we're so, we are, we are so blinded by this world, we think that this life is it. You know, you know how, how God describes this word? Writers under the inspiration, whether it be James or others, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says this life is like a, a, a wisp of smoke. It's like a breath. It's here, it's gone. In light of eternity. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we only know what we know. But we have an inheritance. It's this eternal weight of glory that is ahead. This is, this is it. This is incredible. But it's not just that we have this inheritance in Christ. But in Ephesians 1.18, Paul says that we are being prepared. We are actually God's inheritance. He has an inheritance in his, in his saints. Ephesians 1.18, read it, it's crazy. It means that when God presents the bridegroom Christ, a church without spot or wrinkle that we see in the, later in Ephesians 5, it's, it, that's God's inheritance. You and I, this work that he's done in us, we are his inheritance in saving us, in setting us free, in calling us righteous, then by the Spirit, through obedience to the Word, making us righteous. He's preparing his own glorious inheritance. Guys, this is amazing. There is this eternal reward that is unbelievable. It's the greater reward ahead. We live not just for today. We live for the greater reward. And there's so many great stories I can tell. I'm, I'm gonna stop there. But you know what? I, I love verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 16 after he lists all those who won't inherit the kingdom of God. I want to go back there. This phrase, such were some of you. That's who you were. 
That's who you were when you wore your old jersey. This is, that, that, that's, that's who you were before you put off. But then he goes on to say, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He says, that, that man, remember when that used to mark who you were? That's not who you are now. You've put on a new jersey, guys. Such were some of you, but you've been saved, you've been changed, you're absolutely different. And listen, here's, here's where I wanna to leave. Because man, this week I was thinking about my past and I was, I was thinking about, man, literally outside of the grace of God, I should, I should not be up here preaching. Outside of the grace of God, I, I, I shouldn't experience the incredible gift that God's given me of a, of a godly family. It's the grace of God. But what I love is that I can share that who I was is not who I am. I have been saved. I have been set free. And what God does for one sinner, he can do for every sinner. And the hope this morning is this. We don't have to leave here condemned. We don't have to leave here, oh man, what a terrible person did. The, the, the shame of, of the past and all of this. No, listen, the sin that for far too long has defined you is a sin that should never be allowed because you're a son or daughter of Christ to defeat you. You belong to Christ. He can set you free. It, it, won't, it won't be easy. It'll be hard. It's gonna take repentance, confession. It's gonna, talk, it's gonna take fleeing and pursuing. It's walking transparently, not living in isolation. But can I tell you, God is able and you can be free. Amen. Is that awesome? Is that good news or what, man? That to me is where it's at. So here's the deal. After a message like this, I don't give an invitation. Everybody comes forward like, huh, I wonder what they're praying about. Which sin is there? Huh, huh, huh. No, like, we, like, that'd be weird. But here's what I know. Like some of you are like, dude, he just, that's, the Holy Spirit convicted you. Your spiritual check engine light came on. And so while I'm not gonna bring you forward, here's what, here's what I, I, I want you to know there are resources. We've, we have groups here. A part of this, we have, we have uh, people, men and women, one-on-one -on -one advocacy for you, but, but, but we're always gonna point you to Jesus. But here's what I'm gonna tell you to do. As you walk out, you can, you can grab my card. It's right there at the Welcome Center, and you can email me, all right? So if you email me, I promise you, I'm gonna follow up with you. You're gonna have at least one person praying with you. And by the way, you can't tell me this like, I know this is, you probably never heard this before. I've heard everything. So do not like literally just, I, I wanna see, I wanna see what's been concealed far too long. Let's get out in the open. Cause here's what I know. The consequences of concealment are far greater than the consequences of confession. Dude, let's come out in the clear. Let's face it. Jesus can set us free and it's gonna change our marriages. It's gonna change our relationship. It's gonna change our walk with Jesus. Lord, thank you for what you've done. And I thank you that you're not done. Would you transform us, change us? May we walk in light. May we walk in victory. May we walk in the freedom from anything that would hold us back. Lord, you have come to save us. You have also come to set us free. And I thank you for the fact that we can be free in Jesus' name. For what you're going to do, I thank you for this. And I pray this in the powerful name of Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. See you next week. Hey, by the way, get out of here, empty the parking lot. I went long. See ya.